Well, I am very excited um, to invite Mark Kaiser to come and give us the word. They're coming all the way from E2 Sao Paulo. They've been here for a couple of days in the city, trying new things, picking up menus to um, replicate, duplicate for their cafela. Um, they've met with many of you, came to small group, have had good conversations, and I just want to thank this church for their endless support to all of our partners, including the Kaisers and their um, kingdom work in Sao Paulo that I got to just witness uh, about a month ago. I am very happy that you all are here, um, and I thank Mark for um, biting into um, the sermon today and also doing that right after our departure of Matt. So we're going to be good church. We're going to be okay. God always provides. Um, we've seen that through the Kaisers, both personally um, and through conversation. And also we've seen that for this church. So um, Mark, the floor is yours. Thank you, Yvonne. Church, it's really good to be with you this morning. Thank you for the invitation. Um, we've had a really good time since we arrived in Houston, and we always do. So thank you for treating us so well. Um, you might notice one of the smaller members of my family is a little distraught this morning because we, were, we uh, are really looking forward. We're, we remember the Halloween celebration with you guys last year and how much we enjoyed that. <laughs> And um, it's, when you're with a, a, a place that you're well-received, it's hard to leave. And so thank you for that reception. It means a lot to me as a dad and as a ministry partner to be in a church and in a place that my kids also enjoy being as we serve. And so thank you very much. Um, as you mentioned, the ministry partners, uh, it, it's, it's really an honor to be part of, of this ministry team and participate in this kingdom with you. Um, you guys have really good partners. I don't know if you know Arms of Hope. They, they actually came with Kevin Huddleston down to E2 once, and some of the kids of Arms of Hope were part of the youth camp that we lead. And, um, and now I'm, I'm blanking on the, uh, the other uh, ministry. Main Street. Yes, thank you. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting Main Street Ministries this week and sitting down with Iz and being inspired by the work that she's doing. Uh, she actually works in an area that we are, are uh, I'm pursuing to grow in. Um, I work a lot with individuals who are in the process of, of coming out of homelessness, so a little bit earlier on in the process than where is usually works. And um, we've done a lot of work with the hands-on and haven't done as much in the preparation of, of the cognitive skills that she has done so well. And so it was um, terrific this week to sit down with her and, and learn and, and walk away with, with some material of, of the, the program that she uses. Um, and just to be a part of this partnership of kingdom. Uh, uh, the kingdom always strikes me as something very mutual. It's, it's blessing that flows in all directions. And so um, it's been tremendous to be a part of that. Um, I'm going to put on just the first image. This is the church leadership team that Allie and I have the privilege to work with in E2. We're part of this group of 10 individuals who leads the congregation in E2. And we also lead the ministry of Crescimento Limpo. Crescimento Limpo literally it means clean growth. 
and it is a supportive housing program in a Christian environment to enable recovery from homelessness. And this started years back when we met with um, individuals from the street. You can go to the next slide. Um, we started a lunch in our house and built a uh, friendship with individuals who are living on the street. And as this group of homeless individuals came, they started asking for help to get into drug rehab. And so we saw them go into drug rehab, graduate, come out sober, but have nowhere to go. And we couldn't find anyone working in that area. And in that, we found our calling. So now we work with a housing program, which is the next image. This is the house of Crescimento Limpo. Um, we work with housing. We also work with work partnership. So the next slide shows some of our residents in the work, uh, work programs of Crescimento Limpo. Um, one of our guys doing some welding in our carpentry shop. This is our farm in the middle with Carlos, a Venezuelan refugee who leads the farm. And again, the carpentry shop, Jose, who uh, did a lot of really good work in the carp carpentry shop. We do the work partnership as a way of, uh, of coming alongside our residents as partners and seeing them grow in action to also be able to do a reflective discipleship. So the next image is at our farm, uh, having devotional in the morning, having work experience with the guys. There's also a lot of material to reflect on in terms of just the daily frustrations of every life. And, and as we work together, we're able to see some of the things come out that need to be worked on as a means of changing life. Um, something that I think is always kind of interesting when I describe our ministry as a ministry that is social work heavy and, and does a lot of work in, in terms of helping people, individuals stay housed and, and deal with their recovery, people often ask me, I mean, do you also preach the gospel? And um, absolutely, it is, it is by these many points of contact that we're able to preach the gospel as a new way of life, not just as something that we talk about but as uh, something that we live out and, and have a lot of content to work through the living of that out, the working out of our salvation before God as we, as we learn to live in a new way. I'm going to um, share a little bit this morning from Scripture. Um, I'm going, it's, this is a good day for me. I'm getting to share about a ministry that I love and share a Scripture that has always fascinated me. And so thank you for that opportunity. We're going to look at Luke 16, if you want to look at it. I'm going to read that. But first, I want to speak a little bit about the, the, um, what was happening going into this text. And so the context of, of this scripture, uh, Jesus is with his disciples, and some Pharisees come along, and they see him with these tax collectors and sinners, and they, they question, why is he with these disdainable characters? And so Jesus sees that, and he tells them three stories. He tells them the story of a lost sheep, who the pastor went out, left 99, to go and, and find and came back and celebrated this lost sheep and called others in to celebrate that he had found him. He tells the story of the lost coin, that a woman turns her house upside down and she sweeps everywhere until she finds her lost coin. She calls in her friends and says, celebrate with me, I've, I've found my coin. She, he tells the story of the lost son, who, is, uh, who asks for his inheritance. He goes off and, and wasted and wild living. And when he comes to himself, he comes back asking to be received. And his father runs out and, he's, and he receives him. He comes in, throws a celebration. And the brother comes home and is standoffish. And so Jesus, the father comes out and he speaks to this resistant son. And he says to him, um, 
we have the affirmation of the father saying, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, if you're wondering how I feel about the characters that surround me, these characters uh, who are sinners, who, who you look down upon, I celebrate them. And that is uh, the, the main theme throughout this, these three stories is Jesus looks at his disciples, he looks at these individuals who others would put to the side, and he celebrates having them back. And then in Luke 16, there's a pivot, and he's not speaking right now to the Pharisees, he's speaking to his disciples. And he has a moment of talking to them about how do we interact within this system that isn't always the kingdom. How, how, do, we, how do we live with worldly wealth? in this, this place in which we live. And I'm going to read in chapter 16 of Luke. Jesus told the disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. And if I lose my job here, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors, and he asks the first, How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. The master commended the dishonest servant because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you have not been trusted, trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and despise the other, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So in this parable, we have a servant who is facing a moment of crisis. And a moment of crisis the beauty of a moment of crisis is that it's a place of change. You can't stay the same. When you're in this moment, something's got to give. You can't stay here. And so the, the servant, he makes a decision, and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to use my moment to extend grace to also be able to receive that grace. And CL, Crescimento Limpo, our ministry, is built on that extension of grace. And we've basically put structure around that extension of grace to be able to see that grace multiply. Um, 
And Jesus' his bold teaching on wealth is that we use worldly wealth to gain friends. That's something that I, I wouldn't put it that way. I wouldn't say that way, but these are Jesus' words. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that it, when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So let me talk a little bit about how CL puts that into a, a structure of ministry. Uh, the next screen is of the halfway house. Um, CL, like I said, it's, it's a, a place where there's a chance to rebuild in a Christian environment. Individuals come to us either straight off the streets or for, from drug rehab centers. Some come from a place of um, domestic violence, but they all come in this process of rebuilding their lives. And they, we, what we put is an, an offer of a Christian environment and the Christian counsel as you pursue how to, how to live that out. Our next tool is a place that we call the Cafella. It started as a garden. It's the next slide. And um, as a garden, I was looking for a place to work alongside the house residents to go beyond talk. And I, I figured anyone can step into a garden and have something to offer as a partner. And so I, I opened a garden to, to create partnership. The garden progressed and over time has become a cafe where we're able to offer employment to many of the individuals who have come through CL. Um, it's, it's a, a place of employment, of professional accompaniment for our residents. And it's also a place for the many residents of E2 to come and have good food and a good environment, um, different offerings of, of healthy culture, and the light of Christ. It's, that's something that you don't spend much time at Cafella before you realize it's a place of a Christian ministry. It's also a place where we receive in the homeless on Sunday mornings to have breakfast and also to speak of that which we can, we can offer if they're, if they're willing. And it creates a really interesting connection of church members that come and, and do the volunteering and serve the breakfast, and Cafella um, clients who, who hear about this as they're having lunch at Cafella and ask, how do I get involved? And that's the first place we can come. Um, this moment is where they're all standing um, for... A word of hope, uh, I always bring some short message to, to speak to them and a prayer before we eat. And so the many clients of Cafella come and, and they're given that glimpse of the kingdom as they um, hand out uh, coffee and bread. And then the next is our work projects. Um, again, the work projects allow us to need our residents. You know, often we can go, go throughout a... Um, our interactions with the poor always being the one who has and, and our, our friends always being the ones who need. And I don't think that's kingdom. That's not what kingdom looks like to me. Kingdom is much more mutual. And so these work projects allow us to need our residents. And what they've created goes so much beyond what I could create, what I could do on my own or, or just what our team could do. And so um, in these, these work projects, um, we have structured a, first a garden, then a beautiful cafe, and then the, uh, a small farm that you see in the center here. All of this through their, uh, through their work. Yeah, you can go ahead and put the, the farm on. Um, and it's a place of spiritual accompaniment, these work projects, where, like I said, the many things that come up, the frustrations of receiving tasks and um, having to show up uh, on time, day after day, and, and um, 
You know, all of these things are things that we get to work through in terms of what does our new identity speak to uh, or have to, to say to that. Um, and this ministry is also in a place of transition, it's a, a place of crisis, a, a place where things are going to have to change in a couple of different areas. Um, in the next image, you'll see some of our, our friends uh, on, the f- on the far right is Rogerio. Um, Rogerio is uh, a longtime member of our ministry, but he's being called forward right now. He's going to go, he and his wife are going to go to Mozambique as missionaries. And so he's in the process of stepping out, and we're in the process of training some of our house residents to fill in his shoes. And so um, front and center, you'll see Rodrigo. And Rodrigo has a fascinating story that, that I, I really think is cool. Um, he, because of, of uh, interactions where he stole, he was sent to prison. And in prison, he found himself in a scenario where the cell that he was in had a culture of crime. And for, because he was there, he was kind of being pushed into uh, this life of crime. And so as he was thinking, how do I get away from this? This isn't the life that, life that I wanted to leave, live. Um, in, in Brazil, generally, each... There's, there's the way prisons work, there's about eight cells that open up into a patio, and each cell kind of has its culture, and usually a, a patio will have one church cell. And so he thought, to get out of the being pushed into crime, I'm going to ask to be transferred to church cell. He wasn't a Christian. He really didn't have any desire to be a Christian. He just didn't want to get into crime. So he asked to get in the church cell, and, um, but then you have to prove it because it's not easy to stay in, in church cell. And so the, um, the individuals there forced him to, you know, every morning you have to be reading the Bible all morning long. And he was telling me about this. He's like, and you can't even pretend because they're just standing there watching you. And so you actually have to read. And so he's, he's reading. And, and then you can't just participate also. To stay in church cell, you also have to help lead the services. And so he found himself having to come up with a sermon and, and preach in, in church cell. And um, by that, he, he ended up, not wanting to, realizing this is true, <laughs> this is good, this is what I want to live, and he became a Christian. And so he went from, um, from, from church, or sorry, from prison, he went to a therapeutic community, and from there, a, a rehab center, he came to, uh, to CL. And at CL, he's been working alongside us, and he made clear from the beginning, you know, I, what I really want is to, to stay connected to you guys, to continue to learn this new way of life. And as Rogerio is looking to move to Africa, um, Rodrigo also has a lot of abilities that uh, are in the area where Rogerio where served of the maintenance of CL and the upkeep. And so I, I said, okay, let's come alongside us, help us carry this ministry forward, and help, help us work alongside the individuals who are coming into CL. And so... Um, that's, that's Rodrigo. Bruno is right next to, to Rodrigo, uh, behind the, between Carlos and Red. Um, in a conversation with Bruno at the halfway house, he, he was telling me how his dream is to accompany individuals who are coming off the street and finding their way. And he wants to work alongside them as, as they step into a working career. And so he's telling me all this as I'm in the process of figuring out who is going to play that role that Rogerio is stepping out of. And so... The two of them now are being trained in partnership. Actually, the, th- the three individuals you see there, Carlos and Red, he's our Venezuelan refugee who has taken over all of the leadership of the farm. Um, but these, these individuals are coming alongside us. 
as individuals who needed help, who needed, who needed a hand as they were in this moment of crisis and change, but they also brought the help that we needed. Um, you know, the interesting thing about worldly wealth is worldly wealth will either be used to shut these individuals out or to welcome them in. And we're going to encounter these individuals again. I think something that the Bible and the gospel offers us is the opportunity and the calling to encounter these individuals again, not as a threat, not as someone that, individuals that we're trying to seclude ourselves from, but as partners and as fellow sons and daughters of God, um, sons of God extending the grace of God forward. And um, another transition that we're, we're in in CL, this farm that you see us at here is actually in, at, at the, we're four and a half years into a five-year contract, and it's going away, and it, it's a place where um, the, owner is, the owner of this farm is going to build his house there, so we're no longer ha- going to have access to it. And so we're in the process of figuring out how do we do all of this process now without the farm. It's also the place where the kitchen of our cafe is, our, our production kitchen. And so right now we're in the process of building a, a new facility. Uh, it's the next slide. This is a, um, if it comes up, it's a kitchen facility that um, a friend of ours architected uh, to, to be a, a kitchen on the existing lot of the Cafella, which we were able to purchase two and a half years ago. It'll have a production kitchen where we'll be able to supply the cafe and, and do culinary classes to teach the trade and also a space above it to have classes. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm doing everything I can to learn as fast as I can about the more cognitive aspect of, of how you help in this transition out of homelessness into a new way of life. Um, and so that's what we're, we're looking at doing there. Um, and so I want to go back. You can go back to the previous slide. Verse 11 of the scripture. Jesus says, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And the question that this all asks in my mind is, what is is it to be trustworthy with worldly wealth? You know, there's a a, a lot of culture around what trustworthy means in corporate culture. And, you know, in corporate culture, kind of one of the basic rules that I understand is you use all of the resources to maximize profit for the shareholders. And, you know, even you may do a lot of things that are, that are for the good of the community, and, and generally those things also kind of carry this purpose of we want to be well seen so people will be comfortable in working alongside us and, and buying from us and maximize the, the profit from our shareholders. And so that's what was expected of this shrewd manager. And I think it's, it's interesting that Jesus puts this shrewd manager out, and he does something that it was seen as, that, uh, as dishonest within his company, but Jesus says, see, people of the world, they know better how to work with worldly, worldly riches than we do. Use, use the worldly wealth to gain friends so that you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is how I see that being done uh, in terms of taking the wealth that we have, taking the resources that are put in our hand, and finding those that have not been welcomed in as friends and allowing them not necessarily even convincing them. The word of Christ speaks for itself. Life speaks for itself. People are hungry for life, and often they find a dead-end path as they try to live a better life. But as we are given resources, 
may we use those resources to create a path forward for our friends so that we can also be received into eternal dwellings alongside them, so that we can receive them back as, as our friends and as our brothers. So we have to make a choice, though, between corporate culture, kingdom culture, as we interact with these things. He also says, if you haven't been trustworthy with worldly riches, who will give you real riches? So what are real riches? It's not just dollars or reais, the Brazilian currency. It's, it's not just what we hold, but it is these partnerships. It is these, these uh, moments of being able to receive others as as sons and daughters of God. I, I love family reunions, and there's something so rich about getting together with family when you can rejoice together and be together in peace and harmony. Um, and that's what kingdom allows. It allows taking that circle of who we call ours and expanding it and expanding it and expanding it until there's no one left outside that circle that we know as ours. The Pharisees heard all this, and they sneered because they loved money. Jesus says, you can't serve both God and money. you got to choose. What is valued among men is detestable in God's sight, he says to these Pharisees. And so we have this choice of how do we use what God has put in our hands. And I just want to say it is a rich life that God allows us to live when we trust him with that, when we trust him to be able to lose some in terms of worldly wealth and gain so much in terms of kingdom wealth. And so, first, thank you for receiving us as partners as you live this out. And I want to also say this is ours to continue to live out here, there, where we are into the ends of the earth, that the individuals who will come across the sons and daughters of God will be seen as true riches and be given the opportunity to be partners in kingdom. Thank you. Lord, thank you for this place. Thank you for this, this house of worship to you and inclusion of our neighbors. And I pray that you continue to use us to use us as your sons and daughters to bless both here in Houston, in E2, and to the ends of the earth. In your name we pray. Amen.